Okay, that sounds like good conversations are happening. And remember, there's plenty of hot chocolate for afterwards. You can, you can continue those conversations. But for now, we're going to move into our time of discussion. And before we begin, I would like to invite God to inform this, um, because without his spirit, um, not a whole lot can happen in these next few moments that will be of lasting value. So bow with me and let's pray. God, we recognize and affirm that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and your ways are so much higher than our ways. So so make us humble. Bring us a posture of humility as we discuss things that that are your thoughts and are your ways. Um, They're high, they're lofty. But we want to do our due diligence and to think through them carefully under the authority of your word, under the authority of your scripture. We want to think carefully about these things. So I pray for a conversation that will be honoring to you as our creator God, honoring to one another as we sit in a room where people might have different ideas. May we honor you And may may we honor one another as we listen to your spirit together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are going to have a conversation. And that means that not one of us is going to be just going on and on and on. And it also means that we want you to be involved in the conversation. So as you hear answers given or you hear questions asked, please ask the question, Put that hand up. I'd love to have you engage in that way. Panel, as you hear from one another, as questions come up, ask them. This is how we're going to learn from one another. So with that, I'd like to begin. Panel, if you could take a moment, please, to introduce yourself and tell why you're on that platform today. What is it that brings you to this place? Why do you want to speak into this? Is it on? Yeah. That's the easiest way to check it. Um, I think I'm on this panel. Um, I guess, oh, sorry, I'm Beck. Hi. Um, <laughs> This is just a topic that has been interesting to me um, over the years um, as, you know, I've grown up and gone into high school and university and um, some theology studies as well. Um, So I guess my input may be more just in interacting with, with other people of the same or of different ideas about, yeah, the issue of not issue, the topic of seven-day creation. Um, Oh, sorry. (laughs) My name is Nat. Uh, If you don't know me, I'm an engineer, and I suppose part of my um, involvement in the panel, as far as I understand it, is to talk a little bit about um, what it means to, you know, in the workplace be interacting on a day-to-day basis with um, people who have 
I suppose, more than a basic understanding of the sciences and the world around us and um, how to dialogue with them about that, how to understand um, understand things myself and, yeah, what, what all that looks like. So my name's Jake. I'm, uh, I'm on the panel because Stuart asked me, but uh, you don't say no to the senior pastor. But the... Um, no, the, uh, the reason I'm here is, uh, the reason I accepted Stuart's, uh, Stuart's uh, invitation to, to sit on the panel, I think, is when I reflected on uh, Stuart asking me to participate, uh, I'm, I'm a medical doctor by training, uh, so I, Stuart was interested in sort of a bit of a scientific angle to this discussion, and um, I think that's why he asked me. Uh, and so when I reflected on it, I thought that, well, I think this sort of question is something that I think we all no matter what our background is, have to entertain and have to grapple with. Um, and so I think it's good that I'm not a paleontologist, I'm not particularly uniquely scientifically qualified to make judgments or question, you know, answer questions about the scientific aspects in great detail. But I think as, a, as an average human being, I think it's good that we can talk and have these sort of discussions with one another. So that's, that's why I'm here. And my name's Tom, and uh, I teach at MST, so I'm sure that's why I was asked as well, um, being a theologian. And, and um, But I think more than that, um, as, from a pastoral perspective, I was a pastor for a number of years as well, and one of the subjects I have taught over the years is hermeneutics. How do we interpret the Bible, and how do we understand the Bible? And uh, so bringing that, uh, the, the theological perspective as well as the, the, just the hermeneutical questions and the pastoral questions, uh, I think would bring something of that to the, to the conversation as well. Okay, thank you. So the seven-day creation that God created for six days rested on the seventh. Six days. Were those literal days? Are those figurative days? What kind of a time frame are we talking about? That's the question. Why is that important? Why is that a, an important question for us to consider? Not all of you have to answer, but if, and if some of you have thoughts, we'd love to hear them. Why is that so important? Is it important? Thanks, Tom. Um, I think it is important, Sue. I think that um, it's important on a couple of, uh, from a couple of perspectives. I think, first of all, from a personal perspective, I think considering that question, first of all, puts us, asks the question, where are we in relationship to God? Um, how do we see God? Do we see God as an almighty creator who is powerful and capable of doing whatever he chooses to do? Um, and do we acknowledge where do we see the Bible in this? What do we see the Bible as? So I think from that perspective, absolutely really important to consider it. Um, the other side to it, I think is it's really important also because it determines how we interact with the world uh, when the world comes to us with their particular view on this. And so I think to have considered this and have a considered approach and a response to that really gives us a place to start from uh, in discussion with non-Christians. Anyone else have a thought on that? So there are ramifications. If we believe in a literal six days of creation and one day of rest, there are ramifications. Somebody talk about that. What ramifications are we talking about? 
So just a literal, just the literal six days, the ramifications behind that, or or, or the taking it with yeah. there's not a literal six days. What are the ramifications maybe of each? Yeah, you know, I think um, there are a couple things at play here. As a teacher and uh, and even as a pastor, the thing that I would always be thinking about there is a question that is asked, but there's always a question behind the question. And how often have we seen that even in Mark chapter 12, the last several weeks? As Jesus is asked questions, we realize that's not really the question you're asking me. There's really something else behind that. And what are the ramifications? I think the ramifications are in the very first words in Genesis 1 that take, I think this is really the point of the whole question. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. You know, in some ways, that's all we need to know about creation. If you can believe that one sentence, those few words, you can believe every single word in this book. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's an interesting thing, as I've been asked questions over the years, about the whole creation evolution. And that's really the question behind the question. Do you believe in creation or evolution? The question in my mind is, to what extent are we trying to reason God into the equation? To what extent are we trying to reason him out of the equation? And that really is the question behind it. So what are the ramifications? The ramifications are, where is God in this? And am I, it is my approach to creation trying to reason him into it and understand it from his perspective, or am I trying to reason, it, reason him out of it and try and find a method of creation where I can remove God from the equation? That, to me, is the, the most important part of the question. That's the question behind the question. Any thoughts? Oh, we've got a question. So just just building on what you said about reasoning God in and out, are you talking about Christians within the church or are you talking about um, people outside of the church? Because I guess I would think there could be a diversity of views within the church, but other people think, no, there can't be. You know, I think uh, our assumption is that within the church, we're trying to reason him in, and without outside the church, we're trying to reason him out, and that that becomes the tension between the creation and evolution. But... I don't know that it necessarily needs to be that clearly defined. I think it's, um, it's that really for each person, to what extent are we trying to include God in that process or, or exclude? I'm trying to find a, a method where I can, I can exclude God from, if I can exclude him from creation, I can exclude him from my life. If I have to include him in creation, then I've got to do it do something with him personally. Now, you had your... Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I think, you know, when someone approaches me, and it's not like it happens every day, but, you know, says, what what are your, your thoughts on it? I think oftentimes they want to know, you know, how... It's a, a little bit like trying to set a trap and, and catch you out on something, but I think, like Tom said, that the principal topic is, did God create the earth? For me, and 
when you when you talk about the very creation of not just space and matter and energy and everything, but time as well, as well everything else really falls by the wayside as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I think that's what, you know, I could sort of start getting into apologetics with people and we could quote one fact or another or, or to the other until, you know, we both get sick of each other. There's people who make careers out of doing that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think the, the principle, the thing for me is, could God have done it any way he chose to? And the answer is, as far as I'm concerned, yes. Um, and so, yeah, I, th I think that's the question behind the question is, could God have done it? And yes. So as you're engaging with people, that's where you want to take them, not to uh, a dialogue about, was that literal, was that figurative, yeah. or did he? And we're dealing with an omnipotent God, meaning mm -hmm. he can do all things, meaning he could do something in a period of time and then reverse time and do something else and, you know, it, it's really not a, not a question of we try to build a framework of a creation story that we can wrap our heads around, but it's not really important. Hmm. Ollie, did you have a question back there? As, as long as it's not the question about the rock from this morning, Ollie. <laughs> I'm strolling around trying to keep a, oh, that's nice and loud, a little one asleep. Um, it's sort of been coming out a bit already, but, you know, um, Nat, you were just saying about how just a second, Asa. Um, yeah, you were just saying about how the, the main question for you is not whether it was six days or however many hundred million years that the earth was created in, but if God could do it however way he wanted. If there's, like, let's say here among us, there's a variety of views on this. I was even uh, in my uh, carpentry workplace the other day and, and this topic came up and we had different perspectives uh, on this uh, in the carpentry. That wasn't me. I don't know, it just went quiet. <laughs> um, but, yeah, how is it that, um, or how do you guys see it uh, as a panel? Um, that wasn't me either. <laughs> um, how do you guys see it as a panel? Like, uh, is it um, workable to have a variety of views, like two different perspectives or several different perspectives on this in the church? It, is that, you know, something that can be a significant issue or, yeah, what, what's your perspective on that? Um, I might answer your question in a roundabout way. Um, uh, I grew up in a, a very um, dogmatic kind of seven-day creation kind of home and I don't really see a problem with that at all, um, just by the way. Um, I have fond memories of going to a, a back then it was creation science um, camp in the Blue Mountains, now Creation Ministries International. Um, so old Ken Ham was there, if you're familiar with him. And um, yeah, we, I'm sure we had many discussions on the drive home about, um, you know, uh, all these scientific um, topics that were brought up and, you know, how we engage with um, uh, people of differing views, um, even Christians within the church. Um, but it was kind of a foreign, as a young, you know, eight-year-old at the time, I think I was, um, it was sort of a foreign issue to me that a Christian could... Um, not believe in seven-day creation. Um, that was different um, because I hadn't experienced it and I'd probably created that 
thought in my mind, probably. Um, and then, you know, as I'm seeing a lot of young, younger people here, um, and many of you may have been raised, um, you know, with that mind, uh, that idea um, as well. I don't know. Um, but at some point you're going to encounter people of a different view. Um, that's sort of the, the way, the main thing that's taught in schools at the moment and all that stuff. Um, I think I remember year 11 biology was when we went into it um, most in depth. And at the time, I don't know, it probably wasn't the most important issue to me at the time, but I remember learning about, um, you know, evolution and stuff like it's a part of the curriculum. Um, and I went to a Christian school, Donvale, so at, sort of at the end of the topic, we just had this sort of, you know, how do we reconcile this with our faith kind of thing. Um, I don't mean any disrespect, but I don't believe our teacher did the best job of um, grappling with that. He sort of asked, you know, everyone who believes in evolution, put up your hand. And then he said, everyone who believes in creation, put up your hand. And at the time, I'm like, I'm on this journey where I'm, I've grown up thinking this was the only way, and now I'm learning this new thing. I need time to really figure it out. So I didn't really put my hand up for either, but there was only one person in the class who put up their hand for the seven-day creation. And um, what this teacher did, which I don't think he meant to do, was set up a kind of us-and-them camp um, you know, this is the science that we've learned about. These are facts. And you can believe in this kind of myth or this nice, pretty idea without really acknowledging the facts. That's sort of the approach he took, um, which I don't think does justice to either science or theology, um, personally. Uh, I still don't know how I'm answering your question, Ollie. I've lost track. But um, <laughs> I suppose on, on my journey, um, it's, it's come back to, um, to a point in which uh, I don't believe there's a war between science and theology. Um, I believe that God... God spoke creation into existence. That's the most important thing. And we should focus on the most important thing when we talk with other Christians. We can agree on that. Um, how he did it, maybe that's important as well. And maybe some people have more of a passion for that than others. Um, and that's okay. We don't have to care 100% about every single issue. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure how to conclude my thought. Jake, you're a man of faith and a man of science. Would you mind to address that, please? Um, yeah, thanks, Sue. I'll, I'll just, before I answer that, I'll just briefly comment on what Beck said. I think that idea of that the world, I think, would like us to believe that science and faith have to be at odds because it divides and therefore it 
pits us against the world and it creates this division that I don't think necessarily have to exist. Um, sort of to get to your, um, your question, Sue, um, one of the, thinking about this, one of the things that stand out in my memory as a medical student, I did, I did a medical elective in Kenya. And um, I did a, uh, sort of went off to the Natural History Museum in Kenya and they've got, uh, they've got a fantastic uh, display of skulls in the hominid room, one of the best uh, displays in the world uh, of that. Because as, as people in the room will know that uh, in Kenya they found some of the oldest skulls and hominid skulls. And it was really for me, that was kind of for me personally, a point in time where I saw this progression of skulls in that room and I just realized that for me, this was not the big issue that I think it necessarily have to, you know, some people make it out to be. If God wanted to create using evolution, and I think we have to be very careful how we de de define the term, then God could do it. That, as, as Nat was saying before, God's omnipotent. He could do whatever he liked. And I think sometimes that for when we discuss this, uh, by taking a very strict, literal view, we put God in a box and we say, well, yep, God, this is the way you did it. Uh, without, you know, and once again, Job, in Job we read that his ways and, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so for us to pretend that we fully understand and can fully explain, I think is quite presumptuous. Um, so I think we need to be careful of that side of it as well. Um, and... Um, and, and for me, the interpretation of the science, so as I said, looking at the fossil record, to me, evolution, meaning that there is a slow change, that there is uh, through genetic change over billions of years, and that brings up the whole question about the age of the Earth. Uh, you know, are we living in a, new, in a young Earth or an old Earth? It's fascinating stuff. Um, and once again, we can spend a lot of our energy getting really excited about this, but I think it comes back to the fact that I don't know, I wasn't there. Um, and, uh, and I think we have to, to leave some of that there and say, I trust, I believe God did it, absolutely what, what uh, we started off with, and I think we all absolutely agree on that. And that's where we have to come back to. But I do think that for our young people, the idea that they have to make up their mind and if, you're, if you've got a scientific, if you're training in the sciences and you're confronted with this scientific evidence that for all intents and purposes, Yep, that's the way I interpret it. Uh, and now I have to come to the Bible and I have to put that aside. There's this dichotomy that I don't think needs to exist. And I think we can look at, look at the science and still believe that, yes, God can create in this way. Um, I don't think it distracts from, from the power of God at all. So you would say then, Jake, science and faith are not mutually exclusive. Absolutely not. Nor is creation mutually exclusive from evolution? Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, yep. it, uh, completely agree with that. Yep. Okay. Um, Tom, you have your Bible open over there. Is something coming to mind? A few things. Um, <laughs> my Bible is always open. Um, I want to address, first of all, Ollie, I want to go back to your question because you talked about this, just the perceived tension between you know, people who disagree. And as you were asking that question, my thought instantly went, you know, that's not a new question at all. It's a very old question because it's one that Paul was dealing with with the Roman church because they were dealing with questions. What if we have one group that believes one thing and another group that believes another? And as Paul does so well, he says the real issue isn't do you agree on everything? How are you treating each other in the midst of the disagreement? <clears throat> so he says in Romans 14, 
and he deals with issues like this all the time. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? And I think that's, again, the question behind the question is, of course we can, we can agree to disagree even. Um, but the question is, how do we treat one another in the midst of the disagreement? And so that's, that's something behind that. Can we, do we have to agree on everything? Not necessarily. The important things, absolutely. You hear us all agreeing, God created the heavens and the earth. But the process, we weren't there. Um, and neither was anybody else. You know, we talk about the literal seven-day creation <clears throat> and we can get so caught up in that literal 24 hours, seven days, that we miss a, some really important things that do come out of Genesis 1. You know, and an interesting thing, time doesn't exist in God's reality. But in Genesis 1, God creates time, because that is something that we understand. But God lives outside time. It, with God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And so we could say, was it a literal 24 hours? Well, maybe it was a thousand-year day, because that's what it is in God's economy, right? But what we do see in Genesis 1 <clears throat> is that God is doing other things. So let's not look at one tree and miss the whole forest. Here is God creating all of these things, but what we do see God doing in the midst of this is bringing order out of chaos. The earth was without form and void, darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. But as you read Genesis 1, I would encourage you to, to read it slowly, and what you will get is a sense of God bringing order out of chaos, God brings a sense of rhythm out of this chaos. And there was morning and there was evening a first day, and morning and evening a second day, and morning and evening a third day. What do you hear is this sense of rhythm that is coming out. But actually, I intentionally misread it because he didn't say morning and evening a day for us begins in the morning and ends in the evening. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Ah, now we learn something about what it means to be Jewish. The day begins at sunset. The day begins with rest to prepare us for the work of the, the day that is to come. So we're actually into Monday right now. And we are beginning Monday by coming into a period of rest to come into the day of work. And then we go into Tuesday as we eat our dinner and we rest for the work that is to come. We have it all backward. And we miss these kinds of things when we get so caught up in was it a 24-hour day? Did God do this? 
But what we see is that God is establishing a way of life that has rhythm and structure and order, and he invites us into that. And it begins with rest, and it ends with work. Thanks. Nat. And then, Nat, I have another question for you after you answer whatever you're going to say now. Something else. Um, two thoughts on that. One is, going back to what you were saying, Tom, when, you know, when we have disagreements as Christians, I, I think it'd be pretty difficult to say that we as Christians should have any sort of, you know, arguments or disagreements with each other about something like seven-day literal creation because it comes back to the sovereignty of God. And at the end of the day, like, we have so many other things to, to discuss and share in and different points in the Bible that we can agree and, and disagree on. And if we fall over at the first hurdle, then what are we as a, a church community, you know? We need to be able to have a conversation with each other, disagree, but still love each other and still understand that we serve the same God. Um, and then in another comment on another thing you said, it's interesting that the, um, I think it's the third day, God creates the stars and the heavens and the sun and the moon. So there's no sun for the first two days. Meaning, so what, what are we going to get caught up about a day and night cycle if there's no sun to, for the earth to revolve around? Um, I was going to finish with a question for Tom, but Ollie's got a question, you've got a question for me, so maybe I'll hold off on it. But I'm the moderator. I've got to pull rank once in a while. <laughs> Nat, so tell me how you engage with people. So do you put something up on Facebook and get a big old <laughs> argument going? Because how effective is that? It's not very effective at all. Mm -mm. I, uh, I have strong feelings about Facebook and arguments online. <laughs> um, I... Uh, yeah, I'll be posting about this. No, I, you know, it's, it's very easy to, um, to hide behind a keyboard and, and it's so, so easy to miss nuance and um, there's, there's just no way to have a proper discussion online, which is not the question. So, uh, I mean, I guess part of the discussion is I don't talk to people about it um, through any forum like that. I, I would say to someone who asked me a question in a, a public setting like that, let's let's go talk about it. But I'm not going to sit here and type paragraphs, and then you can type paragraphs back at me, and, and we we miss the point of what we're talking about. Um, yeah, to address how how would I discuss it with someone? I think if I was talking to a non-Christian, and I sort of maybe covered some of this before, but if if they don't understand who my God is and understand what the Bible means to me, then it's really difficult for us to agree on, on anything at all, really. Um, if I say God created the, the heavens and the earth, and they say, well, I don't think he needed to because I've got, you know, all of, all of this Richard Dawkins I read, I can, I can quote a fact and he can quote a fact back at me and, and we can go on like that. But until he understands that from my perspective, it's, it's not important, the, the how and the why, because because God is who he is, and I believe he is who he is, and therefore he can, he can do what he does. And I think there is um, a beautiful order and, and pattern to um, nature and science and creation that we, we can understand. It's possibly the most beautiful thing about physics to me is that God has made it so that we can understand it. And it's an incredible thing that we can actually wrap our heads around the way the world works. It's not chaos and, and formless order. It's 
this um, understandable set of laws which he's put in place. But, you know, and, and so I can, we can debate on, on some of those things and, you know, debate about how, how do you bring something into creation out of nothing and not just a, an empty void of the universe, but the absence of, of space and time and anything, there is absolutely nothing. We can talk about things like that, but it's really going to come back to this person would have to understand that, that God is who he is. Um, and I think before, you, before any really meaningful dialogue can take place. So for me, um, being a, a Christian in a, a workplace, I'm, I'm not going to go about my day trying to convince people of, of specific facts or ideas, but rather through the way I, I go about um, my business, myself, my personal life, everything I do, I hope that people see something more in me than they see in themselves and that they see in other people. So that when I say, you know, my God is who I think he is, they can see some part of that in my life and we can, we can then have a discussion from there. Um, Jake, you said at one point um, that there's, you know, often we see this tension between science and theology and that actually the two work very well together. Um, so I have this sort of two-part question. Um, and one is for Tom and Beck, and the other is for Nat and Jake. <laughs> um, and so the first part is, um, Tom and Jake, what would you say to someone who is saying there's a literal seven days and they're beginning to let go of science and hold that at arm's length and just start to shun science in its forms, in its practice, in how it develops, in, in what it's able to benefit of us? And then, uh, Tom and Beck, what would you say to someone who is um, saying, nope, it was hundreds of millions of billions of years of creation, um, and they're starting to let go of the Bible, of theology, and how can I really trust this book now? Um, yeah, what would you guys say to that? Thanks, Ollie. I think, um, once again, just something going through my mind while um, uh, Nat was talking was that idea that if you look at science... Um, the very next passage in Mark is the Great Commandment. And in the Great Commandment, we are commanded to love God, God with all our mind. And for me, that is exactly what I'm confronted with every day at work, is the biology. I can, I can worship God using my mind, looking at the complexity of the biochemistry, at looking at the complexity of the biology, the, the physics, whatever. God is there, and I can look at that. So it's, it's the lens that you know with which we... Uh, look at it, and I think that colours it. Um, but so how, to, to come to your question of how would we talk to somebody who's throwing the theology out and saying, well, you know, science is the only way of doing it. Once again, it, it comes back to me sort of looking at it and saying, well, look at the incredible complexity. Uh, look at the order that is created out of chaos, which goes against the idea of entropy, that things just get you know, you put the to leave the toddlers around in the house and, and, and chaos ensues. It's a bit like that. Order does not... I don't believe things will become more ordered by themselves. Things split apart. And so th that's one of the things that I would say, yes, there is, there is somebody, and that's God, who is doing this and is still intimately involved. And that's the other thing, I guess, that, you know, that idea that sometimes people get is that, well, if you're talking about about God, God creating through evolution, does that mean he just sort of set the ball rolling and then he sat back and said, now 
I'm not involved anymore. I absolutely do not believe that. God is still in, because then there's no point in us praying. What are we praying for? God has left us and he's, you know, letting time tick until, until the end of time. No, God is intimately involved in our daily lives and cares about us and does intervene and has the capacity to intervene. Um, but there is absolutely a creator and it's for me every day looking at the scientific evidence, it supports that. And so we've got the perfect word of God, which is the Bible, but we've also got creation to back it up. And I think if we can get those two, and as I said to Sue before, I think absolutely the two are in harmony. If they can support each other, that just reinforces to me that yes, this is absolutely in harmony. There's no, in my mind, no disagreement between the two. So that's sort of the, the angle I'd, uh, I'd play, Ollie. Um, there's a question over there. Um, just to, to quickly put an amendment on that, I um, agree with all of that, and I, an important um, part of my my faith journey and, and sort of understanding the world around us was actually reading a um, non-Christian book by just a theist, um, I, I think is probably the broad term for that, who in this huge, huge tome called The Wonder of the World, which, and really worth a read, um, is basically argues from the world around us how how do we rationalize that and basically argues without bringing God into it at all, which is, I don't think, something we have to do, but um, argues for there must be a creator and then leaves it up to the reader at the end, like, you know, where do you want to go with that? But I think it's absolutely possible to look at the world around us and see that this has, there is too much order, there's too much that cannot have come about randomly there's too much evidence that god is at work around us to to just ignore it and say that science and and god must exist separately tom and beck you're gonna answer the other side of that question that ollie has and then we have one more and that's Stu, and then Stuart young and then we're going to need to say yeah time is up but beck and then tom please um look i'd i'd to be honest, I don't think I'd really try and talk about seven-day or evolution. I'd be asking them about their salvation, how they're feeling about that, and I'd be probably bringing them back to who they know God to be. Um, uh, just to speak a little bit more into my own experience, um, I think I'd created this... Um, statement in my mind. Um, I don't think anybody put this in my mind. I think I'd created it from um, just what I'd absorbed. Um, was that um, God is great, God is sovereign, God is all-powerful because he created the world in seven days. Um, and, you know, I'm sure many of you, when confronted with a, a differing idea, um, it was like, oh, well, if he didn't create the world in six, seven days, is he still great? Is he still all-powerful? Is he still sovereign? Is he still the God I know him to be because he, didn't, he may not have done something in the way I thought? Um, and I think maybe somebody like that might be going through those questions and dealing with those questions is if if this thing that I thought was true isn't um, is he is God still God and that's not to say that the Bible is not um, 
uh, is not telling the truth. I believe the Bible is. It's just answering. Uh, its focus is not on science. <laughs> its focus is on who God is. Um, its focus is on who we are in relation to our creator. Um, I don't know if it helps anyone to say personally the the view that makes most sense to me now after kind of going through those things is a six-day creation personally, but if someone said to me, I disagree with you, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. I don't really mind. (laughs) I'm not sure that I fully remember the question because we've had so many other comments here, but I just want to say... um, very much what Jake said here, um, I agree. Science and theology aren't necessarily at odds because God created science. And I think that's important to keep in mind. And the question in my mind behind that is, when God created science, what did he intend it to be used for? And science and, and scripture can, can actually work together. As a theologian, I draw on science all the time. Uh, when I talk about what does it mean to be human, psychology helps me to explain to people what it means to be human because it helps, it helps, it actually works alongside scripture. Um, when I was studying my Master of Theology degree, um, I studied with an archaeologist, which is a science, and it helps us to understand parts of scripture. And so, actually, science and theology work really, really well together when we understand God's intention for them. So, they, they're not at odds. They actually complement each other quite well. Okay, Stuart. Yeah, thanks. Just to, this, in a sense, is reinforcing what you guys are saying. Um, one of the realities that the, well, the Australian Royal Society of Scientists and in fact the International Royal Society of Scientists is, is having to acknowledge and wrestle with is that evolution is actually not science. Um, and by that I mean when a scientist does research they, they get data and then they decide what do we learn from this data. They don't start with the assumption and then try and prove the assumption. They say well what do we learn from this? Whereas the um, the Museum of Natural History in Kenya. Now, I haven't been to that one. I have been to the one in Ethiopia, which is, you know, Lucy and all the rest of it there. What they did is said, well, we believe evolution is true and we'll try and use the data to prove evolution. When they take that assumption out and say, well, we won't start with the assumption of evolution, we'll just look at the data, what they learn is people, the shape of people changes over time. It doesn't prove that we came from monkeys, it just proves that we developed. Now, in my own lifetime, people have changed. We're taller than we used to be, we're bigger. Um, Based on our diet, based on our lifestyle choices, based on our activities, we change. And so when you take the assumption of evolution away from the data, the data no longer proves evolution at all. And so the scientists at the top level are now having to say, well, we've we've falsely claimed evolution as a science and we now need to go back and say does science confirm evolution or does it not confirm evolution so that's a in the scientific community that's somewhat of a new conversation or a new acknowledgement but just listening to the discussion here saying how theology and science are you know god created science and that's very true 
And sometimes we struggle with that because well, evolution doesn't seem to line up. Well, that's maybe because evolution is not science. And we need to be open to that possibility that some of the, the lessons that we have apparently learned from evolution are false lessons that we need to re review. Did you have a question? It was more a comment, a feedback to, sorry, it was more a feedback to just where the conversation was going and based on what Ollie said before about how do you rationalise, you know, this science and evolution and creation thing well, maybe we don't need to as much as we thought we did. Thank, thanks, Stuart. I think, I think um, there's some analogy for me in this sort of debate. It's not a debate we're having, but, you know, this conversation also with the whole climate change thing. You know, there, there, there's this large community feeling, there's this scientific feeling, and then there's, you know, so it, it's... I think we can, as I said at the start, I'm not a paleontologist. I'm not, you know, this is not my field. So I don't feel qualified to talk about and, and call the detailed science. We've got people who are much more qualified than me to make those comments. But the, for me, I, I look at it slightly differently. Um, and I think it'll have to be one of those, we agree to potentially disagree about it, um, sort of situations. And we do that with the full appreciation that both of us firmly believe that God is in control. Um, but I take your point, um, and, and, uh, but I, I read things a little bit differently than that. Um, but, you know, happy, happy to talk to you some more about it. Thank you. Um, we are over time, but I would love for all of us to express our appreciation to the panel. Thanks, thanks so much, guys. Um, ben, we will finish with a song. Yeah, um, th again, give them a round of applause as they step down. Thank you. We'll finish with a song in just a, just a moment. I, I was just sitting there thinking, oh, well, for, for anyone, have we left perhaps, you know, still, still any, any areas that, that we haven't covered? And oh, so many, so many. Um, and we could probably go, go all week, but I thought, let, just watch one other I would comment on. And, Tom touched on it to some to some degree, talking about hermeneutics, and uh, that is when we when we understand you you know the Bible is made up of many books, and we we understand that those different books are different genres, they're different types of writing. Hermeneutics is 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 that um, uh, school which which teaches different disciplines on how to properly interpret a particular genre, a particular style of writing, and, and so forth. In other words, it, it, it can't mean whatever we want it to mean. It, 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 it means what it means. And part of biblical scholarship is, is doing the hard work and the study to understand, well, what does it mean? And, um, and there are principles and there are rules that we, we apply as we do that. And the study of hermeneutics is to get your head around, well, what are those principles and what are those rules and, and so forth. So I guess one, one question which might remain for some people is, if, if Genesis chapter 1, if it is not literal there, then, then, well, does that just open up a whole kind of school of possibilities in which... I can kind of interpret scripture however I want it at any particular point. The answer is no, no. Um, Genesis is actually um, so uh, a remarkable book in and of itself. It's an ancient book without any parallel whatsoever 
In the ancient Near East, there is nothing like it. Some people want to peg it as poetry. It's not. Some people as pure, you know, kind of historical narrative. It's not. It defies most of the other genres. It's a unique book. And it actually takes um, some skill at, at properly interpreting that book and and understanding it. So I just wanted to, that, that little bit of a fear that, well, if it's not literal there, does that kind of open up all sorts? No, it does not. No, it does not. There is, there is good scholarship that can help answer those questions and help us to understand um, what it is um, that the book of Genesis is answering. To your disappointment, the book of Genesis is not a how book. It is not a science manual. Um, that simply isn't, isn't the point. The point of the author is, is to introduce us to the who God is, what is he up to, and why. And that's what the author is pointing to. So, so that is why perhaps sometimes as we come to the, come to the book, we can, we can get that sense of disappointment that it doesn't answer that how question. But Heavenly Father, you know, you know. And for us, we are satisfied with those first few words, in the beginning, God, you pre-exist all things. In fact, all things you have created. We celebrate that and we worship you. And we, we thank you so much tonight that you have answered the cry of our hearts. We can look up into the starry host and we can marvel at that and say, that's no accident. It's the handiwork of my father. And if that's his handiwork too, then what am I? I too am the handiwork of a living God who knows me and who loves me. Lord, we want to discover that more and more and more. We pray that perhaps tonight some, some helpful conversations have been started. We want to say with absolute conviction tonight, you can be trusted and your word can be trusted. And the whole world around us, as marvelous and mysterious as it is, simply testifies there is a God in heaven who has created all things. It speaks of your glory and it speaks of your wonder. And it leads us back to, as has been said by many tonight, in many different ways, it leads us back to worship. We love you and we worship you. You are worthy of all that we can give you. Lead us into this next week with a wonderful sense of awe, a sense of wonder, a sense of delight and a sense of purpose which comes from a knowledge of the living God. May we be a blessing to one another in our discussions. May we, as we speak the truth in love, may we build one another up to become more and more the people that, that you want us to be, filled with the very fullness of God. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for one another. And we just want to say we love you, Lord. We really do. Amen. Would you stand and, and let's sing together as we close off.